This morning, I'm here to challenge us. I'm here to challenge you and me. And I want to get out up front right away. But before we start, I like a bit of humour. As you know me. Three boys were playing in the school playground. They were bragging about their fathers. The first boy says, my dad scribbles a few words down on a piece of paper and calls it a poem. And they give him 50 pound. The second boy said, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper and they call it a song. And I gets 100 quid. The third boy said, I've got you both beat. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper and he calls it a sermon. <laughs> and it takes eight people to collect all the money. <laughs> I want to start this morning, by the way, welcome to all you online as well, welcome. I want to start this morning by asking us to cast our minds back to when we were kids. Can you remember when we used to say, my dad's bigger than your dad? My dad's stronger than your dad. My dad's smarter than your dad. My dad's faster than your dad. Does it sound familiar? Does it ring any bells? The cries and the taunts of our childhood usually tossed at our mortal enemy in the school playgrounds. I remember asking my lads if they ever said it about me when they were at school. They couldn't catch my eye. They said that me rather sheepishly that they never said that about me and at the time I remember being a bit disappointed but I think it was their way of saving me from getting beaten up <laughs> you see I'm not very strong I'm, I'm not very smart and everything else I don't run very fast so why do we use such words as kids what purpose does it serve well, usually it's to, it's to, thinking about me when I did that one, it's, it's usually to bolster, to build up our own confidence, or perhaps maybe as a last resort to avoid getting pounded in a fight with the school bully. But if you think about it, wouldn't it sound pretty strange if we were to resort to such things now, wouldn't it? Why? Because most of us here this morning are big enough, we're tough enough, and we're strong enough to fight our own battles without having to drag our poor dads into it. But are we? Are we? This morning I have called this sermon, It's Not About Us. Why? Because I believe this morning that life is not about me, 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 me. I believe this morning that the purpose of our lives, that is every one of us here this morning, the purpose of our lives is far greater than that of our own personal fulfilments, our own successes and our own accomplishments. The purpose of our lives this morning, friends, is far greater than our peace of mind and our happiness. 
The purpose of our minds, friends, this morning is far greater than that of our family, our careers, our wildest dreams and our ambitions. And our ambitions. How's that for a statement? And if you want to understand more, then this morning we need to come up a bit higher and get a better perspective on our own lives. This morning, if we want to know why we exist on this planet, we must begin with God. We must start with God. You see, we were born by his purpose. We were born for his purpose. And if we want understanding about anything in life, we must begin with God. We must start with God And to do that, we have to call out to our Father, just like we did as kids. And friends, more importantly, we have to take a close look at our lives. And then maybe change or tweak a few of our priorities. You see, it's not about me. It's not about us. Now, I know that what I have just said contradicts everything that we have been taught to believe in life. Even Frank Sinatra sang, I did it my way. Do I make the group yet? No. (laughs) The big problem is, is that we believe that this this world centers around us. We believe that the purpose of all that God has created is to make and to keep us happy. You see, we have been trained in our culture for our culture. We have been taught that everything revolves around us. Society is shouting at us that life is is about what we want, what we need, what we deserve. Just look at Facebook or or Instagram or TikTok or one of the other social media platforms. Do you know what the order of the day is these days? Self-satisfaction, self-promotion, self-preservation and self-centeredness. Looking after number one. That's our number one priority. You see... Friends, it's not about us. You know, if you think about it, everything in the world out there is designed for our beckoning. It's designed for our pleasures, our desires, our satisfactions, our comfort and our whims. But it's not about us. Friends, God does not exist to make a big deal out of us. We exist to make a big deal out of him. Can I say that again? God does not exist to make a big deal out of us. We exist to make a big deal out of him. And because of that, friends, we need to change the priorities that are in our lives. Priorities. Priorities. I love the story of the farmer who ran an advert in a local paper 
In it, he wrote these words. Farmer with 160 irrigated flat acres wants marriage-minded woman with a tractor. (laughs) When applying, please send picture of the tractor. (laughs) Priorities. I recently read an inscription that can be found in a museum in a place called Deadwood, South Dakota, 125 years ago. It was the Wild West. And it was left, this inscription was left by a prospector and it was found next to his body, his skeleton. And it says this, I've lost my gun. I've lost my horse. I'm out of food. The Indians are after me. But I've got all the gold I can carry. (laughs) Sometimes, friends, we get our priorities wrong. We all have priorities, whether we think about it or not. We all live according to a, a list of things we class as important. And our priority is something that we put first, first priority, first, first value on in our lives. That we play it as a higher value than other things. Do you know what? The Bible is a book of priorities. God's and man's. I love the story of the pilot who came on the intercom of his plane. Ladies and gentlemen, he said, I've got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is that we're lost. But the good news is we're making excellent time. <laughs> That's, isn't that us this morning? Travelling through life at 100 miles an hour. Busy, 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 busy. But really, it's going nowhere. The problem is we don't stop and have a look at where we are. And let's be honest, if we get a bit lost, we don't like admitting it. So we just speed up and keep merrily going on on our journey in the wrong direction. But if we use the Bible as one of our priorities, it will encourage us, friends, it will encourage us to keep checking that map of God's plans for our lives to see whether we're still on that right road. And while we're on that road, we need to occasionally pull over And check out where we are in our lives. And to ask ourselves, is there any difference between God's plan for our lives and our own life goals? We must ask ourselves, will the road that we're on this morning, will it lead us in the right direction in 2023? You see, it's not about us. One of the things that I've noticed about life is that God's priorities and ours, they are often in incredible conflict with each other. They struggle against each other. This Indian chief was telling his young braves about this inner struggle inside of themselves. And the chief said to them, it's like two dogs fighting inside of us. There's a good dog who wants to do what's right, but there's a bad dog who always wants to do what's wrong. Sometimes the good dog is stronger 
and he's winning the fight. But sometimes the bad dog is stronger and he's also winning the fight. This young brave asked the chief, who will win in the end? The chief answered, the one you feed. Today, we have a great opportunity, friends, to come up higher and take a long look at our lives and at the priorities that we have placed in our lives for this coming year. Are we feeding the wrong dog? You see, feeding the wrong dog, having the wrong priorities in our life, is like buttoning up our coat incorrectly. We get that first button wrong, all the others will be wrong. The same way, if we get that first button right, all the others will line up right, just where they're supposed to, like our priorities will. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.18, fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Where are our eyes fixed this morning? Here's another question for us. What are our priorities? What are our priorities as a church? As a body of believers? All of us here together. This psychologist in America, Jack Lipton, I don't know where you're going to put a photo of him. There he is. Jack Lipton. He's professor and chair of translational science and molecular medicine in Michigan State University. A real brainy guy. Anyway, he did a survey, an interesting survey, and he asked the top 11 symphony orchestras in the world, and he asked each one of the sections in the orchestras how they felt, how they saw each other, how they viewed each other the different sections of the orchestra. And the results were really interesting. The percussionists were viewed as insensitive and unintelligent (laughs) and hard of hearing, yet fun-loving. The string players were seen as arrogant, stuffy and unathletic. The brass players, sorry Peter, the brass players were overwhelmingly described as loud, Woodwind players seemed to be held in the highest esteem. They were described as quiet and meticulous, though a bit egotistical. Can I say at this point that I have had nothing to do with this survey? Okay? I just want to put it out there now. Especially when Peter's walking past me later on. And can I apologise if anyone's offended? But they're really interesting results, aren't they? The thing is, with such widely divergent personalities and perceptions, how can an orchestra ever come together and make wonderful music? Can you imagine an orchestra with, it's all about me, as their outlook? Each artist clamouring for self-expression, 
tubers and French horns blasting non-stop. Percussionists pounding in the background. Cellists shoving flutists out the way. Trumpeteers roaring away over there. Sheet music all over the floor. Harmony, hardly. Happiness, never. Cacophony, everywhere. Who would enjoy that? What's the answer? The answer is really simple. Regardless of how these musicians viewed each other, how they, te- how they treated each other, they all subordinated their feelings and their biases to the leadership of the conductor. Under his guidance, everything comes together and they all play wonderful music. Isn't it great this morning that we are all different? Looking around, that's a definite fact. (laughs) We are all different. Heaven forbid that we would all be the same. Can you imagine having 150 me's here? There'd be no room for anyone else, wouldn't there? (laughs) I know that we all have our own needs, desires and loves. But friends, our priority as a church, as a body of believers, is to help one another. To support one another. To be there for one another. To come alongside for one another. All together under our conductor, our saviour Jesus. Playing wonderful music. So friends, for that to happen, we have got to change our priorities. Priorities. I, I suppose that most people ask would list their families, their careers, their security, their child's education, and so on in their top five priorities. But when Paul wrote his letter to the congregation in Rome, the book of Romans, a predominantly Gentile crowd, he wanted them to know that God and his will for their lives should be ranked first. And it should be the same for us today. After all, we must Begin with God. Friends, this morning, if we claim to be Christian, if we claim Christianity, then we walk according to the Spirit. If we claim Christianity, then we accept that God's ability to do things that we cannot do. If we claim Christianity this morning, then our number one priority is to set our minds on things spiritual. Paul writes that if we claim to be Christians, we cannot continue to live our lives as anything but Christian. We can either walk through life focused on ourselves, our wants and our needs, or we can walk according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, with God's will in our sight. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Friends, which way we walk determines our priorities. Anytime we put our will before God's, we walk in the flesh. Anytime we intentionally turn a deaf ear to God's instructions, We walk in the flesh. 
Anytime we flood our minds with poor television and movie choices, we walk in the flesh. Anytime we seek to divide instead of unite, we walk in the flesh. Anytime we think we're better than somebody else, we walk in the flesh. Anytime we envy others, hate others, disregard others, we walk in the flesh. Anytime we spend more time doing our stuff compared to time spent with God in prayer, in praise, in worship, we walk in the flesh. Friends, that's the bottom line this morning. And if you come up higher and get that perspective, you will see that. Romans 8 verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his only son. This morning, I'm so happy and thankful that after God dealt with God's people from Adam and Eve through the time of Moses, passed all through the kings and the, and the prophets, he realized that we were all messed up and that we needed some help. So while we were still sinners, he loved us enough to send a portion of himself, Jesus. And then... When we become believers, he still loves us enough to give us his spirit to lead, to guide, and to direct if we will only listen. Friends, this morning, if you want to experience, you want to feel God's grace, if you want to experience God's mercy, if you want to appreciate God's love, we need to set our priorities in line with the priorities of God. The thing is, we cannot do it by ourselves. Throughout human history, we have tried and tried and tried, but failed. We have failed again and again and again. We have eaten forbidden fruit. We have molded golden calves at the bottom of the mountain. We have found ourselves in foreign lands, conquered and, and beaten. We have heard the words of Jesus and still denied him three, three times before the cock crows. We have huddled on the very outskirts of the town, afraid and bewildered, while John and Mary stood at the foot of the cross. <clears throat> we couldn't get up the nerve to take care of Jesus' body, so we sent others. And when that body wasn't there, we blamed thieves and soldiers. We have huddled in locked upper rooms awaiting the same fate as Jesus. But what we couldn't handle, God could. And when Jesus entered that room and told us, peace, be still, it was then that we knew what we should all have as our first priority. God, his kingdom and his ways should be first in our lives. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Secondly, we just trust God's wisdom regarding our priorities. Matthew 6 verse 34 says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. And lastly, 
We mustn't be anxious and fearful, which is really hard these days. But Matthew 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or what you drink or what your body, what we will put on. I don't know about you, but this morning I'm sick and tired of waiting in a locked upper room for something to happen. I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to understand that this whole thing that I'm experiencing is just a drop in the bucket compared to the joy that God has in store for me. And I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for God to accomplish what I've been unable to do on my own and maybe somewhat unwilling to accomplish in my life. And I'm excited about that. Amen. It's not our way that matters, friends. We make decisions based on very little information compared to God's vast knowledge. But once we've given up our way, then our way doesn't seem to work. God is waiting for us to see it his way. You see, it's not about us. So how do we live according to the Spirit? Well, we need to go back to the book of Galatians. Favourite verse, I've spoke about it in the past, it's great. Galatians 5.22 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfil the lusts of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Verse 25 says this, if we live by the Spirit, which is that kind of life, let us also walk in the Spirit this morning. And I want to say to you this morning, if our, if our mindset is upon these things, love, joy, peace. If so, then God is pretty close to being our top priority. This morning, if we can't find ourselves <clears throat> living in that list, or worse still, we've lost that list from our lives somewhere along the way, then I invite you this morning to turn your life over and ask God to change your direction and your priorities. You see, it's not about us. In finishing, I wonder whether the group could come up now, guys. Cheers. Great, the group, aren't they? Brilliant. Just got to keep an eye on Peter as he walks past me. The French horn over my head somewhere. I'd like to tell you a true story. And it happened late last year. In a two-day period in New York, a homeless man, a trained maintenance worker and a dog were all killed on the subway tracks. 137 people telephoned the Transit Authority to express concern about the dog. Three people 
about the worker and no one about the homeless man. And you've got to agree with me that this illustrates well how cockeyed our priorities have become. Today, at the beginning of this new year, we're just a month into it. Let's come up higher and take a look at the great opportunities that we have to do something about it in our lives. An opportunity to do something about changing our priorities for 2023. Isn't it a good time now to turn away from our wants, our needs and our desires? Isn't it a good time now to stop singing that Frank Sinatra song? Do you want to sing it? A firm no there, wasn't it? I did it my way. And instead, trust in the Lord to renew our strength. All we have to do is come up higher and have a look. The prophet Isaiah goes as far as to say this in chapter 40, verses 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Friends, brothers and sisters, we are all in the midst of change in our lives at this time. When our society is in a bit of a mess, when everybody is fighting for something, when turmoil seems to be the order of the day, it's better to keep our priorities on God's will and not on our own. You see, it's not about us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, can we align our wants, needs and desires with your will for our lives? I pray that love, joy, peace, patience will be the forefront of our thoughts for this coming year. I pray that for 2023, we can move forward with you, your will, and your kingdom as our number one priority. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Bless you all.